this morning, I want you to not only hear with your ears, but to have spiritual ears for the truth. And in order to do that, I'd like us to pray once more. So let's go to the Lord. God, You are so good to us. You are mighty and powerful and holy, and You're good, and You're loving, and You're kind and merciful. Father, I pray that each one of us here will have ears to hear the truth, that You will give new hearts and minds for us to see ourselves before Your throne and to see Your Son, Jesus Christ. May we see Him as our best and only hope. May we see Christ and may we receive new life through confession of sin and trusting that He is the one who takes sin away, who gives us new life eternal with You forever. May we see Your Son Jesus as our highest treasure. Father, I do pray that You'll do the same for Covenant Community Church, our sending church. May they on this glorious morning be filled with truth and may their faith be strengthened through the preaching of Your Gospel. Father, may they hear of the resurrecting power that You have, that You can raise dead men to life. You can give us new life, a hope eternal. Father, we pray that for Pastor Roy Garza in Pillar Church of 29 Palms in California. Father, we pray that You will give them the Gospel truth and that it will resonate deeply with the members of that church. And as they reach out to others, they too will hear with spiritual ears. Father, we pray for Pastor Vijay as he trains pastors day in and day out and fellow brothers come alongside and they seek to strengthen churches in Central Asia. Father, we pray that You will give them the strength that they need to continue to preach Your Gospel. That the truth will be heard and it will resonate among the people and You'll continue to call more and more to Yourself through Your Word. Father God, we pray for those who are struggling right now. Those who are struggling with life. Those who are struggling with health. Those who are struggling with all kinds of life's problems. Father, may they see that all of this pales in comparison to what the real need is. Father, may we see ourselves before You and may we trust and believe. By Your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day to all of you. What a great day to be together. It is so good to see all of you and to celebrate this day of all days. This is the happiest day of the year for Christians. Even more than Christmas, this is a gloriously happy day. Sorry kids, I know Christmas is great celebrating the birth of our Savior. I know you received presents a few months ago. It is a season of cheer. Better than that, though, better than that, Easter, Resurrection Day today, I'm pointing you to a better gift. One that will outlast every Christmas present you will ever receive because this gift is eternal. This gift lasts for all time. We go from season of good cheer at Christmas 
to today a season of victory at Easter. And this season never ends. This is God's season. This is His victory. We, of course, are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who went to the cross to die for sinners and then raised Himself from the dead, defeating sin and death. This resurrection, this day that we celebrate, this day of all days, this resurrection is the center of our faith. It's the center of the Christian faith. This is what our faith is based on. That the resurrection is not just some myth. It's not just some hyperbole to to encourage us. This is real truth. I'm here this morning to tell you the truth. It is what we celebrate because without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sin. And without the forgiveness of sin, there is no hope. I want to be very real with you right off the bat. I am not here this morning because I have every aspect of life all figured out. The members of this church don't come here every Sunday because I can tell them everything about life. I got it all figured out. Just yesterday, Christian and I, my wife Christian and I, were dealing with some things in our family and we're praying. There's a number of things that have happened this year we don't understand. We are perplexed. We are confused at times. We are unsure of. Without Christ and His resurrection, I don't know what we would do. I don't know what I would do. I need Christ and His resurrection. I need the hope that Jesus gives And I know you do too. You may come to church. You may try to be a better religious person. But without what Christ accomplished on the cross and the power of His resurrection, you and I are hopeless. And we're left trapped in our sin. Some of you are here today thinking that if only you could figure some things out, or if only you could do some things better or differently, or if you only knew what to do, then you wouldn't have any of the problems in your relationships, in your marriage, or in your family, or your children, your parents, or or anything else. But that's not so. Because hope is not found in anything in this world. Once You figure out one problem and one problem is fixed, another one eventually comes along. Sometimes they're little problems. Oftentimes they're really big problems. And for all of us, there is this problem of sin. There is nothing in this world that you can turn to for hope. There's only one place where hope is found, and it's not where the hard things get easy. It's not in your bad days becoming good days. It's not in your difficulties going away and things, your life gets easy. And it's not having everything in your life all lined up in a nice little line, a nice little row. And it's not in ignoring your sin. 
Hope is only found in Jesus Christ and His resurrection. You see, I have hope regardless of what I'm facing, regardless of what my family's going through, regardless of the attacks or anything that this church may come up against, I have hope and I'm here to tell you and to give you that hope this morning because the resurrection of Jesus Christ overcame the real problem of my sin. Christian believes the same thing. And because Christian and I are no longer trapped In our sin, we have hope and we can face our problems. The members of this church believe the same thing and therefore this church has hope and we want to give hope to all of you. Every believer can say this. We have hope because of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Peter describes it as a living hope. It's a living hope that just it continues like life. It's a life that doesn't end. This living hope goes on and on and on. The Hebrews writer in our passage here says, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified in verse 14. This is a permanent effect for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The hope that sin is being removed from us And we are being perfected in love for God and His will. That means all of us who believe, every single believer is being cleansed of our sin. We're given eternal life and perfect relationship with God. Our conscience is free from guilt and shame. And we're promised full joy and pleasure with God. Forever. This doesn't make all our problems go away. I told you just yesterday, Christian and I are dealing with serious things. But Christ's resurrection overcoming our sin problem gives us hope that the problems of this life are only temporary. They will end. The problems of this life pale in comparison to what we have in store as believers. So we have nothing to fear. These problems cannot overtake us. Our life are in His hands. Christ's work on the cross and His resurrection is the hope for all of us. No matter how much or how little of this life you think you have figured out, the biggest problem you and I have is completely done away with because of Christ and His resurrection. His sacrifice accomplished the impossible. Let me say that again. Christ in His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection accomplished the impossible. Maybe you think these other problems in your life are impossible. No. No, your problem with sin is impossible. And there's nothing you can do about it. But Christ... Offering His body in place of yours paid the debt for your sin that you could never repay. It is impossible for you to make yourself right with God, but Jesus has done it. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not as bad as the next guy. Maybe you are that next guy. 
Or maybe you think you're a good person or you can point to good things you've done that they outweigh the bad in your life. You have a big problem if you think this way. God has a law that's infinitely perfect and holy because He is infinitely perfect and holy. It doesn't matter how much good you've done, just one fault, just one fault, one slip up, one part of you that's not perfect and you don't measure up to a standard. That's all of us are there. If you feel like you're all alone in that, just look around. Every person in this room, every person alive on this planet is that way. You may say you haven't done things that are really that bad. You're not a murderer. Well, hear Jesus' words. Jesus said that hating a person is like murdering them in your heart. One evil thought is enough to break God's law. And we've all done it. Lusting after someone is the same as adultery. Taking God's name in vain is blasphemy. We don't like to think of ourselves as bad as we really are. We make excuses for ourselves and others. We say we all make mistakes, don't we? We have bad days. But God looks at us. He sees us in our sin and he sees guilt. That's why Jesus says he came to save sinners. Jesus didn't come to just give you a better life in this life. Jesus says he came to this earth to save sinners, to save you and you, all of us. He came to save sinners. He says our condemnation is not in what we do. It's because of who we are. Because of who we are, we do evil in God's sight. And the evil is not just in our action, it's in our hearts. Our hearts are deceptive. Scripture says they're wicked beyond measure and no one can understand it. You cannot trust your heart. It'll lead you astray. The world, others who are confused will tell you, just trust your heart. Just follow your heart. That is the worst advice someone could ever give you. Your heart will lead you astray. Our hearts are evil in God's sight. And this is a problem we cannot get rid of because we've all have fallen. There's no one who measures up. We are short-sighted in all our ways. Many of us even come to church to get saved from our sicknesses. We want saved from our problems. We want saved from our boring lives. But Jesus came to save us from our sin. We don't talk about that enough. We have a sin problem that only Jesus can save us from. There's Jesus, our sweet and loving Savior who came and lived the perfect life. He measured up to God's law and then He sacrificed Himself for you and for you. To cleanse you from all your guilt, from every evil thought and desire you will ever have. And to give you this gift of eternal life in Him. On the day when the Holy God does take account for your life, He'll take account for all things. He says, there's a day coming 
when he's going to take account for all things, what qualifies you to stand before this holy God? What evidence will you present to prove your innocence? What will you say when he demands rightful payment of your guilt? Sadly, most in our community, maybe some here this morning, believe that all you have to do is know about Jesus and then die. These are people who don't understand the holiness of God or the offense of sin. The magnitude of our guilt goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond our comprehension. A couple years ago, Keith Matheson, he's a, um, he's a theologian, he's a professor at a seminary. Keith Matheson wrote an article entitled The Great Exchange. I love that title. The Great Exchange. Just in the title, you know that something is going to be replaced. Something is going to be given for something else. This article is worth a read now, and I'll warn you, it's a little technical as he endorses a book that's been written. But in the article, he writes a few sentences that I think are worth reading. Here's what he says. Here's what he wrote. If you are a believer, and that's for us here this morning, if you are a believer saved from the wrath of God, you are so only because of the atoning work of Christ. If you are a Christian destined for eternal life, you are so only because Jesus died in your your place, bearing the penalty due to you. He then goes on to quote Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. By his stripes, you are healed. This is the hope that every Christian has. Jesus exchanged his life for yours. He is the sacrifice that atones for your sin. Faith in what Jesus has done is faith in the Son of God who died for you and has the power to free you from your sin and give you a new purified life in his name. It's a life that's perfected in him. And this is what you and I need when we stand before God one day. In the time remaining, I want to look at our text here in Hebrews 10. The Hebrews writer tells us what Jesus did to make this happen for us. It's about Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection. And he tells us what Christ did for those of us who believe. We're looking at the first 14 verses. It can be broken into three sections. Verses 1 through 4 explain that the law, this is God's law now. Verses 1 through 4 explain that the law cannot perfect believers. So that tells us right there that if all you try to do is follow the Ten Commandments, that's not going to do it for you. One, you will never do it perfectly, and that's not enough. And there's more. Verses 5 through 10 say it was God's will that Christ's sacrifice atones for us and cleanses us. That tells us nothing else is needed. Belief in Christ is all we need to be forgiven and made new. And then verses 11 through 14 say that His sacrifice perfects us. And after His resurrection, Christ Himself is seated at the right hand of God 
securing us for all eternity. So here's what we need to walk away with today. Here's the summary of the, the whole passage. For every person who believes in Jesus Christ, the effects of Christ's sacrifice and His resurrection results in the forgiveness of your sin. A full pardon for your sin and transformation into a sanctified saint who enjoys God's goodness forever. Look with me please at verses 1 through 4. These verses, these four verses summarize the entire Old Testament sacrificial system. All throughout the Old Testament, we read of these sacrifices offered to God for the payment of sin. Book after book in the Old Testament talk about God's people offering sacrifices, sin offerings, burn offerings, daily offerings before God as payment for sin. God established this in the Old Testament that a sacrifice is needed to atone for sin, to pay for sin. The sacrifice, all the sacrifices demonstrate the extent of sin. There's a cost to rebel against God. It brings death. And the cost must be repaid. It must be paid to be restored to God. The wages of sin is death. It's first seen in the garden when God gave the animal skins to Adam and Eve to cover their shame. The book of Leviticus explains the burnt offering in more detail. The burnt offerings were given for all kinds of reasons. In Leviticus 1, verses 4-5, through worshipers brought their animals to the priest and they laid their hands on the head of the animal before the animal was killed and then sacrificed. Prayer was said and a confession of sin was given. What we need to understand is the significance of the worshipers laying their hands on the sacrifice. What happens? When the worshiper did that, it transferred all of the worshiper's reason for the sacrifice to the animal. It was an acknowledgement that the worshiper deserved to die, but instead of the worshiper... They laid their hands on the animal and that animal died in their place. They accepted that the animal dying in their place gained God's favor. There was a dependence on the sacrifice for the sins to be atoned for. Later in chapter 4, verse 4, it describes the same thing for sin sacrifices. The purpose of the sacrifice, though, is most clearly seen in Exodus 12 with the Passover lamb. God told Moses the final plague in Egypt would be the death of the firstborn from every household. But the people of God would be spared by the sacrifice of the spotless lamb. They were to put its blood on their doorposts of their houses so that God would pass over them and they would be safe. The sacrifice protected them from God's judgment. And this would then free them from Pharaoh. God later established the Day of Atonement. One day every year, the high priest would enter the most holiest of places, the most holy place, 
and offer sacrifices on behalf of the sins of Israel. God also prescribed sacrifices for all kinds of sins that the people committed. And these were offered daily by the people. And after a thousand years, a little over a thousand years of the Day of Atonement, remembering the Passover, celebrating the Passover, these daily sacrifices, these freely offered sacrifices, we're told all these sacrifices serve the purpose to remind them and to remind all of us of sin. So you read two-thirds of the Bible and you hear of these constant sacrifices that the people are, commit, are doing because of the sins that they've committed and we're told it reminds us of sin. The people could not get rid of their sin. It didn't matter how many times the people of Israel offered these sacrifices. Sin remains. The Old Testament ceremonial system of sacrifices did not result in the perfect cleansing of sinners. All the shedding of blood of animals, thousands of animals were killed. Their blood was poured out on the altar. Did not result in the forgiveness of sins. It did not result in addressing the problem of guilty conscience in the hearts of believers. They were but a shadow, the Hebrews writer tells us. These sacrifices were a shadow pointing to the perfect sacrifice that would ultimately remove sin. No sacrifice the people did could end the cycle of sin and sacrifice. and Sin and sacrifice. Over and over the cycle went on. The fact that they had to do these sacrifices again and again shows that the people's sacrifice, what they did, was not enough. They were powerless. Verse 1 of Hebrews 10 says that sacrifices can never make perfect those who draw near. The people were incapable of providing a sacrifice that pleased God for the removal of their sin. Verse 4 says it's impossible. It's impossible for the sacrifices to take away sins. This means there is nothing you and I can do about our sins. This is not just talking about the Israelites here. The people in the Old Testament, they did sacrifices in order to make up for their sin. What do you and I try to do? You and I try to do good things with the same intention to to cover up, to make up for our guilt. But our acts are powerless to free us from our sin. We can never do enough. Like the Old Testament sacrifices, the cycle of sin and trying to make up for it. I sin and I try to make up for it. It continues over and over. I can never do enough. But now look with me at verses 5 through 10. Verses 5 through 10 of our passage here. Here, the hope of the Christian is explained. Hope is what I want you to hear this morning, here in these verses. You do not have to keep trying to cover up your sin or to make up for it. The cycle has been broken for you. 
We don't have to keep working to look good in God's eyes. Verse 10 says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Just before that, the Hebrews writer quotes Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. David is the writer of that psalm. He's not saying that sacrifices are no longer needed. God still demands a sacrifice. He demands a life for the cost of your sin. That is still true. By David saying, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, David is showing that God wants more than just the act of sacrifice. So when Christ came, Christ quoted the psalm, and He said, more than just the act of sacrifice you require. God demands and is only satisfied with the perfect love for God and delight in His law. In verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do Your will, O God, as it is written of Me in the scroll of the book. You see, the people's hearts could never be perfect doing the sacrifices. You will never have the right heart trying to do the right things Your heart is tainted with sin. And therefore, there's nothing you can do. Perfect obedience to the will of God is required. Nothing but pleasure in His law is what God says. His holy standard being your enjoyment. And if we're honest with ourselves, this omits every single person No one lives like this. My own grandmother, who everyone thought was the sweetest, nicest, most kindest person in the world, she never lived like this perfectly. You don't live like this. I don't live like this. There's nobody who lives like this, who has this perfect obedience to the will of God, this perfect love for God. But Jesus lived in perfect obedience to God. He fulfilled God's law. He put God first in all things. He never wavered. He never looked to other things. He loved the Father. And He said in John, I do as the Father commanded me. In some translations they say, exactly as the Father commanded me. So that the world may know that I love the Father. God and His glory was His life ambition, and He loved the Father perfectly. Through His perfection, Jesus provides a new relationship with God with people who can never love Him perfectly, who will never perfectly obey His will. It's a new covenant. One where God's people receive the promise eternal inheritance. The first covenant has been done away with. No more sacrifice is required from the people. A second covenant is established by Jesus. 
You see, the ceremonial system itself was incapable of forgiving sins. It was incapable of forgiveness. But what it did was point to the real sacrifice that was able to forgive sins and to bring about the transformation that's needed. Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial system by offering Himself once for all as a sacrifice to satisfy God's judgment against sin. Jesus is perfectly obedient and He perfectly loves God. In Christ, the Christian is seen through Christ's perfection and is saved from our sin and we've been made holy. You don't have to seek to try and be perfect. Christ is perfect. What every person here needs to understand is that Jesus, through His obedience and offering Himself as a sacrifice, He accomplished what we need. We need a sacrifice that will be pleasing to God that God will accept for the removal of our sin. When John the Baptist saw Jesus walking from afar and He was coming near to Him, coming closer, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. He is that spotless Lamb that protects from God's judgment and saves His people. The death of Christ is the only sacrifice that completely satisfies God. His sacrifice completely atones for your sin. You see, the Father knows that the Son kept His law. And the Father knows that the Son perfectly loves the Father. And that is why His sacrifice is perfect. And why no other sacrifice is needed. No other sacrifice will be accepted. Nothing you do will be accepted by God because there has already been a sacrifice that God has accepted. The Son did it all. He did it once for all. Christ offered Himself to achieve forgiveness and the sanctification of God's people. And look down in verse 17. Verse 17 tells us that Jesus' single sacrifice is so complete and fully repays that God says He remembers His people's sin no more. He remembers your sin no more. You don't have to work for it. But you do have to believe. All who believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin are declared innocent. Our sin has been transferred to Him. Like putting our hands on the animal, our sin has been transferred to the perfect sacrifice. We are cleansed from sin. Its chains no longer bind us. Its power no longer has a hold on us. We are free from judgment. And now we're free to enjoy God's love and His goodness forever. We're purified. We've been made new to be living examples of the power of the cross. So we can walk in obedience like Christ 
and be in God's presence forever. Now look with me please at verse 12. The Hebrews writer says, When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He did what? He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sacrificed Himself. He lived perfectly. He was perfectly innocent. And then He willingly died on the cross for sinners. He took our sin. He fulfilled the law and He atones for sin. Earlier in 9.22, we're told, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus gives that through His death. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with Jesus dying on the cross. His glory continues because where is He now? He's sitting down next to the Father on the throne. He's not dead. He's alive. He's risen and He's reigning on His throne forever. Jesus offered Himself and on the third day He rose from the grave victoriously over sin and death. That's why we sung today, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Christ's work is done. It's finished. And He rose from the grave. Paul says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. He now sits as a king on His throne. He has victory. And you have it through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what faith in Christ gives you. His single sacrifice satisfies God and gives us eternal life. Victory over our sin and death. Jesus gives us a life that is perfected for all time to enjoy the perfections of God. Let me say that again. Jesus gives us a life that is perfected for all time to enjoy the perfections of God. God's promise to save His people has been fulfilled in the Son. Nothing else is needed. All you need to do is to believe in the Son. Stop trying to make your life better through your efforts. Receive new life in Jesus. A life that will never die. A life that's forgiven of sin and guilt. Stop putting all your focus on these temporary problems of life and see your problem of your sin and repent and believe and be free. God doesn't promise that these other problems in life will go away, but He does promise for all who believe and trust in Jesus Christ, your biggest problem with sin has already been dealt with. His death secures your forgiveness. His resurrection guarantees your future with God. And He promises one day to return and that perfection that He earned for you and for me will be given and we will praise Him into all eternity. Quit trying to do this life on your own. Quit trying to solve all these problems on your own. It's a hopeless venture. Quit trying to make up for all the bad things you've done in life. It's hopeless. 
Look to Jesus. Believe and have the eternal hope that he secures. Let's pray.